You're listening to Our Faith, Our Country, the podcast that discusses walking with Christ and ties faith to America's foundation. Here's your host, Jason Bryant Jennings. Acts 10.34 Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. The connection here, the principle that all men are created equal. On today's episode, we're going inside scripture to talk about some of the great women that impacted our world. I wanted to bring you this topic because most everyone can name a few women, but there are so many that we can learn from. Additionally, when Jesus showed himself to Mary Magdalene, he showed the seriousness of the mission and the high regard that women should be held in within our communities. Today's guest wrote the New York Times bestseller, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. She anchors Fox News at night from midnight to 1 a.m. Eastern weekdays on the Fox News channel and hosts the podcast, Live in the Bream. Shannon Bream, welcome to Our Faith, Our Country. Jason, thank you so much for having me. It is a treat. Shannon, what were your thoughts on my open and especially part about Jesus showing himself to Mary and the meaning behind that? Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, we talk all through the book about different women, Old Testament and New Testament. And I learned so much by really digging into Christ's relationship in the New Testament with all these different women. And we know when you hear of the fact that he went to people who were not the elites of the day, they were sort of outcasts or they were viewed as sinners or people not to associate it with. And he still went to them and he built friendships and he did things that were unconventional and kind of disrupted the customs of the day. These relationships and friendships that he had with women who learned at his feet, studied with him, were part of his ministry. All of that was very different than what would have been the norm of the day. And this relationship he had with Mary, I think, is such a beautiful thing because uh, at the resurrection, when he is standing there at the tomb and she's gone with other women, grieving over what they have witnessed in his death and the loss and just the complete devastation they're having. And then she's standing there crying and just saying to the person she thinks is the gardener, just tell me where you took his body. That's all I want to know. And it's not until he says her name, he says, Mary. She realizes it's Jesus and uh, and runs to him. And, it, and what an overwhelming, joyful thing. And the fact that Jesus revealed himself to her and that she sort of termed in a lot of people's view, the first evangelist, because she then runs with the gospel from there. It's an amazing, beautiful thing. And so they had a close friendship, and she was devastated over his loss. But then the enormous joy that she felt when he chose to reveal himself to her was a beautiful thing. For the people that are listening to this podcast right now that don't know, just the overall importance of him showing mm-hmm. himself to Mary, because at that point in time in history, women were not looked at as leaders, especially when it came to religion. Right. They weren't at all. I mean, you think about several things that we see in the Bible where a different Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, were hosting Jesus in their home. And Mary was studying at the feet of Jesus. And that, again, very unconventional. And Martha was upset because Mary wasn't helping with preparations. And Martha saying to Jesus, hey, you know, you need to tell her to come help me. And he said, no, she has chosen the better thing. Not that what you're doing is wrong. That wasn't the implication, but that Mary had chosen the better thing, which was actually spending time with Christ and learning at his feet. And that would have been very unconventional. But Christ absolutely telegraphed that women were to be a part of the body of Christ, not just as silent people off in the distance, but actively part of his ministry and of learning from him and and having relationships 
relationship with him. And in those days, women were not considered, you know, witnesses that you would want to use in a legal proceeding. They weren't to be believed outright as the men were. They were seen as a lesser value witness. So the fact that Jesus reveals himself first to Mary, to a woman, knowing exactly what he's doing, and that she runs to then spread the gospel from there and the good news of his resurrection, I think signaled very uh, important things about how Jesus viewed women and wanted the world to view women as created in God's image and in equal in every way to men as far as, you know, God's view of how much they matter and what they mean to him and his creation and his children. We'll talk about this more in a little bit when we talk about your book. There's one that you talk about that was actually a judge. Tell us a little bit about her. Yeah, I love Deborah from the Old Testament. And she breaks the myth that people may have about women being sort of second-class citizens in the Bible or that they didn't hold leadership roles. I mean, her story was included for a reason. It's really important and inspiring to me on so many levels. But we were at a period in Israel's history where there were judges that were governing them. Deborah was a judge that we're told was held in great esteem. The people of Israel came to her for questions, probably not only legal, but theological and relational and, and settling disputes. And she was the leader of Israel at that time. And during that time, we see that God tells her they're going to go into battle against the Canaanites who were really oppressing the Israelites. And a friend of mine who, you know, has been to seminary and all of those things said, you got to understand the Canaanites were like the ISIS of their day. They're sacrificing children. They're doing terrible, horrible, violent, evil things. And so she goes and calls up the top general for Israel, Barak, and says, hey, God has said we're to go into battle against the Canaanites, get the men ready and let's go. And he says, whoa, 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 kids on paper, this is not a fair fight. The Israelites are badly ill-equipped and outmanned to go up against the Canaanites. And he says, I'll do it if you go with me, but if you won't go with me, I'm not going to do it. And she said, okay, I'll go with you. But because of your hesitation, the leader on the other side, Sisera, the top general of the Canaanites, he's actually going to be delivered into the hands of a woman. You know, and I remember hearing this story growing up and always thinking, well, that's Deborah. And it's not, there's a second woman that you read through the book who ends up taking out that general on the opposite side, the bad guy. But Deborah goes in with them to battle. God is faithful over them and generous, gives them great favor. They have a battle that they win that on paper would never have made sense, but God was with them. And afterwards, we see Deborah leading the Israelites in song as well. So she kind of does everything. I mean, she's a brilliant judge. She goes into military battle with, with the general and with the men. She's sort of a praise and worship leader afterwards. She's just really inspiring mostly to me because of her obedience and the fact that when God asked her to do something that didn't make sense on paper or to the world, she did it anyway. And he honored that. Your foundation started at a very young age. Your mom even taking a job at one point at a religious school. Give our listeners some insight on how the foundation with Christ was set for you. Yeah, you know, like millions of kids across the country this year will experience. I mean, my parents divorced when I was very young, and they were both sort of very young, if at all, in their own faith. And from that, they both grew very much. And my mom is like the greatest prayer warrior, the deepest Christian, the most mature Christian that I know probably. You know, she was a young single mom at that point with a baby struggling. And uh, she was a teacher and she did end up taking a job at a Christian school. And I think that certainly grew her faith in amazing ways. You know, I was with her all the time in Christian school. We were in church and very involved in the ministry. The, the church family became our family in many, many ways. And so she and I were both growing and learning about Christ and growing in our faith and hearing from the Bible and hearing God's word, Old and New Testament, all the time, every day. When I started getting into middle school, I realized that I knew all these things about Christ and I believed, but I 
had to make a personal commitment, accepting Christ as my Savior, believing His enormous sacrifice in coming to this world and dying on the cross was actually what paid for my sins. And I would accept Him and walk with Him. And from that point on, I just say I'm, I'm a work in progress. I've had times of great spiritual growth and times where I've struggled. And I think God knows that and He wants us to be real with Him. And if we can't question Him and ask you know, him and seek answers about our faith. And I think there's some things we'll never understand the side of heaven, but he knows we're human and we're going to have those trials and those questions. He's been so faithful to me, especially in the darkest, hardest parts of my life. That's where he's shown up and been the most faithful. And so I continue to grow. I feel like I'm learning new things all the time. In writing this book, I knew all these stories, but I learned so much more about each of them. And it just reminds me that there's so much growing to do in our faith. We're never going to fully arrive here on earth, but we can always be getting better, maturing, being more faithful in our choices, trusting the Lord more, seeking more wisdom. So I endeavor to do those things. Some days I'm better than others, and I'm I'm just thankful that I'm saved by grace and that God is a forgiving, loving God. Shannon, no way possible are we going to be able to get through all of the women in your book, but let's give everybody a couple of them that they may not know of. Well, yeah. I mean, there are stories that will be familiar to people like Esther, Queen Esther, or Mary, the mother of Jesus. We dig into their stories so you'll know them even better. But there are other women that I wanted to include in the book that we don't even have their names. And one that's always been my favorite, and she's in multiple Gospels, is this woman who we know had an illness, an issue of bleeding for 12 years. And when we meet her, we find she's gone from doctor to doctor. She spent everything that she has. So she's now penniless. She still has this illness. She's not been cured. And I've got to think at times she was in great despair because what I learned in studying this uh, story as well for the book was that, you know, in those days and in times, she probably would have been considered unclean. So not supposed to be out in the masses, so probably couldn't go to temple. So no community with her house of worship or her, you know, faith community probably couldn't go to the markets or anywhere else where there was a crowd. So pretty much isolated at home, like many people felt months and months of the last year with COVID, just very alone. And with her struggling with this illness, I just have had periods of that where I dealt with a chronic illness and pain in my life. And I just have always identified with her. But what makes her so relatable is that she decides she has enough faith. She's heard about Jesus. I'm going to get to where this man is. I'm going to just touch the hem of his garment. I believe he's that divine. And she makes her way through the crowd again, a place she shouldn't have been. She does touch his garment. We're told that she's immediately healed. But Jesus also knows that something has happened. He's the son of God. He's going to know. He turns around and in one of the accounts, he says, who touched me? And you can almost hear sort of the, the disciples laughing like, sir, you're, you know, in these crowds all the time. Everybody wants to touch you. And she, we're told, falls down trembling and terrified before him because she knows he knows everything about her and he knows exactly what's happened and that she didn't ask permission and that she probably shouldn't be there. And he says to her the first thing in all the accounts in the Gospels, he says, daughter. And he says to her, your faith has made you whole. And she knows that it's his divine power, but it's her faith that activated that cure for her. And God has great compassion on her. He doesn't belittle or embarrass her in front of this crowd and say, how dare you be out here unclean among the crowd? Or how dare you reach out to me without even asking? He praises her faith. And uh, I just think what a ripple effect must have come from that. Because all these people in her life and her community who knew her, who knew her story, her isolation, her illness for 12 years to now know she's suddenly healed and everything has changed because of this person, Jesus. It's just a beautiful story in so many ways. It is. I've heard you tell that story before and I get chills. It's one of those stories that you almost have to have been there for. You know what I mean? And I know that that's what comes across when you go through this book. Who's another one in this book that people may not be as familiar with? 
Rahab is somebody that I really fought to include in the book. She was a prostitute in the Old Testament. And we actually pair these women. So I paired her with Queen Esther. And I know people may think, okay, you've got a queen and a prostitute. I don't get the common thread here with them. But they both were put in a place where they had to call on courage. And they were in a place to save and help the nation of Israel when it needed that most. If you are familiar with Queen Esther, you know her role in saving the Jewish people. Well, they live hundreds of years apart. But we have Rahab who is there um, when the spies, the Israelite spies come to visit Jericho and want to figure out a way to potentially breach the city. And she has no connection to the nation of Israel, but she must have understood the God of Israel was God. And she had seen the way that he had moved and the Israelites had been blessed. So when these two spies come and she was an innkeeper and stayed there, the king's people in Jericho, the leaders found out, they heard something about these men being there and they came to her. And she risks her own life, just like Queen Esther did in a very different time, but says, no, they're not here. In fact, she makes a tale of, they went off this way, maybe you can chase them and find them. And she's hidden the men there. And so what they say to her is, you know, your faithfulness, when we come to take this city, you hang this cord out and anybody who's gathered in your home will be protected. Your family, your friends, they'll be safe. And that's exactly what happened. And because of the insights that she gave them and the cover and protection that she gave them, Israel was able to take that city. So she becomes, you know, a part of the family of Israel after that. But she was an outsider who risked her life and a very brave woman because she saw the true faithfulness of God. I thought it was important to pair her with Queen Esther to show, have courage and step up at a time where God had clearly placed these women exactly where he wanted and needed them to be. And they rose to the occasion and did their part. Shannon, when you look at all of the women in your book, and I know we said 16, but there's actually a couple bonus ones in there as Mm -hmm. well. Which woman that you write about in your book do you most relate to personally and professionally? Well, honestly, it's a couple we've talked about. I mean, the woman who struggled with the physical issue, I've always felt sort of a kinship with her. I went through several years of a cornea disease, which is actually genetic. It took me a couple of years to get diagnosed and I was in excruciating pain all the time because essentially the cornea, the surface of my eye was tearing and being scratched all the time. And I went from doctor to doctor trying to find help. So even once I found a doctor and I was so thrilled and I prayed for this doctor, I believe God sent me straight to him. But he had to tell me the news that even though he was able to diagnose me, that it was incurable. And there's this genetic issue that nobody has cured yet, but there are treatments and he's helped me to navigate that and given me my life back in so many ways. And I had prayed to the Lord like Paul had prayed for the removal of that thorn in the flesh, though we don't know exactly what it was, a physical ailment or a mental or you know emotional challenge, whatever it was, but we know he wanted to get rid of it. And God said, no, um, that you know my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And I had prayed for help with my eyes for so long. And I finally had that prayer where I said to the Lord, if you're not going to take this away, because I know that's not always your will to do things things and heal things the way we would like, will you please send me to somebody to help me? And that's where I found my doctor. So he's an answer to prayer, but I think about that woman who lived with this ongoing physical problem and isolation and just what a dark, isolating time I went through living in that chronic pain. And it makes you a much more empathetic person, I think, too, to anybody who's struggling around you, whatever their issue is. I've talked about Deborah, too, and I think because of my legal background and her being an esteemed judge, I love that she was a leader in the legal world. So I've always professionally aspired to be more like her. You want to be respected and to serve your people well. But again, as I mentioned before, I think the idea that she was so obedient and didn't question God, even though something didn't make sense, he favored that obedience. I aspire to be more mature so that I will be obedient in situations that maybe seem overwhelming or, Lord, are you really in this? And if you're sure that he is, then 
and you know that it's safe to follow. And Deborah didn't question him. A lot of guys are going to hear this interview. Some of them will have the question, if this book is about women, what can I learn from it? How would you answer that question? These women's stories, many of them have very strong male figures in the stories. Um, We think about Sarah and Abraham and Hagar. So a lot of these stories you'll know because the male character has been so widely taught about and that kind of thing. So you're getting the same stories from a different perspective. I think seeing it from the women's viewpoint, some of the great decisions they made, some of the bad decisions that they made, the way they struggled with listening to God and being obedient and following his path, you're getting sort of the other side of the story, which I always think is interesting to understand the male characters, say Abraham in these stories as well. But I've also had men say to me, I'm reading this with my daughter, or it gives me a different perspective. And my wife and I are reading it together or studying through it together. So I think there's a lot to learn there just because you get a different perspective on a story you may already know. And for me, I knew these stories, but I learned so much in going through different details and just having a different perspective. So I think there's something for all of us in the bedrock foundation are the same in that God is faithful. He will be with us when we are heartbroken, when we are victorious. All of those things are the same regardless of whether we're reading these stories as a man or a woman. What are maybe just a couple life verses for Mm -hmm. you? There's one that I stumbled upon years ago and it's funny because I was in a really difficult moment and I know people will say like, you don't just open the Bible and say, I'm going to land on something. But I really did pray in that moment like, Lord, I need something. And I was actually in a hotel and I remember opening the Bible to Psalm 34 Four, which there are so many good verses there. But 34.4, I love, I thought the Lord, he heard my cries and delivered me from all my fears. And I think we all have moments, whether it's fearful about a medical diagnosis, worried about our kids or our spouse or a broken friendship or relationship, a job and worrying about finances. Or in the last year, we've all had anxieties over the virus. What's true? What do I need to know? You know, there's just been so much fear and uncertainty. So I go back to that verse over and over again. And in 2 Timothy, one of the first verses that my mom taught me as a kid, was, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And I've had times where I just repeat that over and over again, where I'm fearful or anxious. I'm always encouraged by those verses. And, you know, Philippians 4, 8, I think all of Philippians is so encouraging and fantastic about, don't be anxious, you know, come to God with, in thanksgiving, with prayer, let your requests be made known to God. The peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But Philippians 4, 8, I really love, which talks about whatsoever it's true and noble and pure, praiseworthy and excellent, think on on these things. And I think the world offers us so many things that don't fit that definition, but we can test it against that verse. And we fill our hearts and our minds and our relationships with those things. And I think they help us to focus on what God calls us to, which is righteousness and the pursuit of wisdom. So I find all those verses encouraging at different times in different ways. Shannon, it's been great having you here with us on Our Faith, Our Country. The book is Women of the Bible Speak, The Wisdom of 16 Women and Their Lessons for Today. Really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Do you mind praying us out? I'd be happy to. Lord, thank you for this ministry that Jason has and talking about your word and your truths, Lord. May we always have those front and center in our minds and our hearts. Uh, Whatever we face through our ups and our downs, when things are difficult, we know that you are there with us in the valleys, Lord. And when things are good, let us not be caught up in pride and things that distract us from you, but help us to give you the glory, Lord, and to always be walking with you, seeking wisdom and righteousness. We know that you are faithful to give that to us if our hearts are truly seeking you. And may that be the foundation of everything that we do, say the way that we respect and love and treat others across all kinds of ideologies and differences, Lord. May we just speak your truth in love and 
with great respect, uh, seeing each other as children of God, created in your image and for your purposes, Lord. We pray that you'll help us to be faithful and help us to find strength and contentment in you every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Our Faith, Our Country podcast. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media at Faith Country Pod or by searching for Our Faith, Our Country podcast. Until next time, later times, everybody. Thanks for listening to Our Faith, Our Country. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.